Father, we are so grateful for the gift that you have given us this day to be in a safe place to study your word. And Lord, I am so thankful this morning for Lisa and for the way that you anoint her and speak through her and give her exactly the words that you want her to share. And that's what we ask for this morning, Lord, that you will give her clarity of all the things she has prepared, that you will be present with her in every word that she speaks. And then, Lord, for each of us, give us ears that are ready to listen so that we hear from you this morning exactly what you want us to know. And Lord, may we leave here today knowing more about you and your word than we did when we walked in the door. And we pray all of this in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Okay, good morning. Um, give me a second to get this on my ear. Um, as Christine said, I'm Lisa Giller, and my family and I have been worshiping in this church for 12 years. Um, just a couple little words about myself. Um, Jesus captured my heart as a little girl, but it was really when I got involved in Bible study as a young adult that I began to experience life transformation in my heart and mind. And so because of that, because of the effect that Bible study with other women has had on my life, each time I start Bible study, I just get so excited because I can... Um, without a doubt, expect the Holy Spirit to be among us, to lead us and guide us into all truth, and to change us from the inside out so that we can better reflect who he is to a lost and dying world. So with that excitement, um, I want to turn to this particular study, um, Abiding in Hope, that you gathered for this morning. Um, so today, we're going to have an introduction to First and Second Peter, um, and really to who Peter is and why he wrote and who he was writing to. Um, we're going to talk a little bit about the format of our study, and then we're going to conclude by looking at some major themes that we can expect to see as we're studying through these two letters written by the Apostle Peter. So first, I want to ask the question, what is hope? Um, it's a frequent word that we say probably multiple times a day, um, but what is biblical hope? Because that's what Peter is calling us to. Um, as you can see um, on the screen, Webster's Dictionary tells us that hope is to expect with confidence, and it also is the highest degree of well-founded ex expectation of good. And if we have nothing else as Christ followers, we absolutely can say without a doubt that we as Christ followers have the highest expectation of well-founded good. Um, and we can know without a shadow of a doubt that what we read in Peter and the rest of scripture is true, and that is our foundation for hope um, through the life and death and resurrection of the Lord Jesus. So much of what Peter will say to us centers on hope, um, where our hope is found, and encouragement to be filled with hope. As Jesus followers, we, ha we do have that highest degree of well-founded expectation. 
Even in the midst of distressing situations, Peter wrote these words in the first century, and yet, like all of Scripture, these words are not just somewhat applicable to us today. They are specifically applicable to us. But before I go any further about that, let's back up and learn a little more about Peter. So who was Peter? First, Peter was a Galilean fisherman. Galilee... Um, was in the northern part of Judah of Judea um, during his lifetime. And um, it was full of people living hand to mouth. Um, they were not prestigious. Um, they did not um, carry the wealth or wisdom according to their peers. Um, they were kind of backwater people. And he was a fisherman. Um, we, he had a fishing business with his brother and with two other disciples of Jesus, John and James, sons of Zebedee. Um, in the Gospel of Matthew and the Gospel of Mark, Peter is actually the first named disciple of Jesus. But John's Gospel tells us that his brother Andrew is the one who began to follow Jesus first, and he is the one who actually brought Peter to Jesus. We're also told that Peter is a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ. In the very first verse of 1 Peter, chapter 1, Peter identifies himself simply as an apostle of Jesus Christ. Peter was often brash, loud-mouthed, quick to get himself into dif difficult situations. As Jesus was in the midst of being tortured and falsely accused at the end of his ministry, Peter denied that he even knew who Jesus was. But Peter was also bold. He and he fully believed that Jesus was the promised Messiah. And Peter was the first of the, of the disciples to vocalize and articulate this truth that Jesus was the promised Messiah. Even after Jesus' death, um, resurrection and ascension, Peter occasionally found himself in difficult situations, dispute with others. Um, he famously disputed Paul. Um, he questioned the Holy Spirit as the Holy Spirit um, told him that he was to include all people in the call um, to discipleship. But even still, Peter continued to passionately proclaim the truth of the gospel. 35 times in these two letters, we will see the word Christ or Jesus Christ together. Um, and that is not a mistake. By putting those two words together, Jesus Christ, Peter was making a confession. Each time he says Jesus Christ, or uses just the word Christ in place of Jesus' name. He is making the confession that Jesus is the promised Messiah. He was the long-awaited hope. And I can't help but, um, but wonder if the reason why Peter continued to say Jesus Christ over and over again was maybe Peter was reminding himself. Maybe Peter was preaching the gospel to himself. Um, because so much of what Peter says in these two letters, he is telling us to remember. And so just even in the way he writes the letters, he is telling himself to remember 
as well. I admire Peter because even though he had regularly messed up, he chose to preach the gospel to himself. He did not allow major failure to make him feel um, that he was dismissed from the family of God. Surely the experiences that Peter had influenced what he had to say to his readers. Surely that compelled him to say over and over again, remember, remember the truth of the gospel. Remember who it is that we serve. Remember who you are because of what Jesus did. It compelled him to write to other believers and encourage them to abide in the truth of the gospel, to abide in the hope of salvation. Peter's greatest failures as a Christ follower and as a fellow believer spurred him on to encourage his first readers and Jesus followers over the last 2,000 years to pursue Jesus to their final breath, to persevere, and to press on. His failure caused him to turn to Jesus and help to create the message that Peter would proclaim until his dying day. I wonder what that might be for us. As we get ready to plunge into this study, as we commit to be intentional, to set our faces resolutely to the Lord Jesus and follow him as we study this word together, I wonder what our enemy would say to you to, tr to make you feel that you're disqualified. But what the Holy Spirit is saying to you is that doesn't disqualify you. I want to use that to proclaim my message of hope to the people that I've placed in your life. I want to use that failure and, and redeem it so that I can bring glory to myself. The Lord Jesus says that. And you can be an influence in the circles where you find yourself. So who was Peter writing to? His first audience were Gentile and Jewish believers. Peter uses a lot of language that, um, that calls his readers foreign, foreigners, exiles, people who are displaced. Um, and it's likely that in fact, there were some people who had um, been displaced in their physical setting because of Roman um, rule to um, resettle people. That was how they kept control of the empire. They went in, they captured, they conquered, and then they took those people and resettled them elsewhere. So it's possible and, and probably likely that a number of the people that Peter was originally writing to fit that category. But it's also more likely that the language that he uses, um, foreigner, exile, displaced, uh, really refers to our spiritual condition as Christ followers here in this fallen world. And Peter wanted to emphasize, and he does emphasize through, throughout both of these letters, the fact that this is not... Um, our, this is not our true identity. This is not our home. And so that's the angle with which Peter 
um, is designating his his primary readers. Um, he probably wrote 25 to 30 years after Jesus ascended into heaven. Um, so that would have put him in the early 60s AD and writing from Rome. Um, he um, writes to these people because they are experiencing day-to-day -day difficulties and suffering. Now, it's important to recognize, and I think this is particularly important to us in 21st century, century America, it's important to recognize that the people that Peter was writing to definitely were experiencing suffering. Um, they were experiencing um, difficulties and hardships, um, but they were not experiencing at that particular time state sanctioned or sponsored persecution. Um, they would have been dismissed. Likely they were mocked, reviled even. Um, it's quite likely even that some of the local govern governing bodies would um, target particular um, groups of Christians. But again, it wasn't state san sanctioned. So um, like in our world, there are many countries in our world right now, there are many countries where there is state-sanctioned and um, promoted persecution against Christians. That's not what we experience here in the United States. Um, we do experience mocking. We probably experience reviling. We definitely experience dismissiveness, but we're not experiencing state-sanctioned persecution at this time. And so I just, I wanted to highlight that because I think it will help us as we go through these letters to be like, oh yeah, they were in the same position as us. Um, instead of like, oh, well, they were like really being tortured and I can't really relate to that. That's actually not the case. So um, you can just kind of tuck that away in your minds and as you come up against um, different challenges and different um, um, words that Peter uses to, to point us in the direction of the Lord Jesus, um, don't let your understanding of their, what their experience was um, to hold you back from relating to what the passage is saying. They were also living in modern-day Turkey. So here is a map. Um, the, down in the bottom, you can see how Turkey kind of dips into the Mediterranean Sea. Um, and just in the first three verses, Peter... Um, tells you who he's writing to. And you can see um, that a number of these, uh, these towns listed on this map um, in, are included in Peter's letter. <clears throat> so um, the purpose, what, what purpose did Peter have in writing? Um, 1 Peter 5.12, actually Peter himself tells us what his purpose was. He, uh, he tells his readers, I am writing, to, I have written to you to encourage you and assure you that what you are experiencing is truly part of God's grace for you. So stand firm in this grace. In, in the Lisa Giller um, version, it's saying, don't be surprised. I've been telling you what's going to happen, so don't be surprised. What, is, what you're experiencing, this is part of what God has put in front of you. And it's really an opportunity to show that we worship the one true God. Um, we've come to know him in the person of Jesus of Nazareth, the promised Messiah. So stand firm in that truth and let nothing move you.
Um, and he also writes, and you'll see this particularly in Second Peter, he writes with the understanding that his time is short and he needs to do as much as he can to remind um, the people that he had ministered to to remember, to remember, to stay firm, to, um, to press on, to persevere, to um, not think that you're the only one who's experiencing this, to not convince yourself that this is some odd thing that's going on in your life, but rather to remember that because Christ suffered and then was exalted, as his followers, we too can expect to have hardship and struggle and suffering even um, before we are finally um, united with the one true God um, at the end of our days. So briefly, I want to talk about the structure of, I'm sorry, um, the structure of our um, workbook. Um, and we are going to call these our pre-work study guides um, rather than homework. So hopefully that will help you know that it's, it's in preparation. So you will go through these questions in preparation for your discussion. Um, pre-work allows us to um, have our hearts and minds um, already being changed and made ready to hear um, what it is the Lord Jesus has also been teaching the other women in our, in our groups. Um, if you turn to page nine in particular, that's the beginning of um, the lesson on 1 Peter 1, um, you will see that um, there's an introduction, and then there's a first section called, What Does It Say? Um, the, uh, the questions in this section, what does it say? These are observation questions. These are where we read through the text and we gather the facts. Um, literally, what are the words that we are reading? Um, we're not talking about meaning at this point. We're just looking at the text and you'll be able to find all of the answers to the questions in this section by looking at the text and writing out the answer. Please don't skip these questions. Even if you feel like, wow, these questions won't really lead to great discussion, um, we need to spend time in the Word looking at actually what the text says before we can move on to uh, what it means and what it means to us. And so if we skip this section, um, anything that we determine that the text means is actually built on a faulty foundation. So by taking the time to um, really dig into the text and collect the facts, um, we are beginning to put into place a, um, a right foundation to understanding what the Word of God is saying, um, what it said to its original readers and what it says to us, and then how that can be applied in our lives. The second section on the next page or it might be two pages later, um, called What Does It Mean? And this is where, this is going to be kind of a next level of thinking. This is where you begin to draw some initial conclusions as to what the text that you just studied actually means. And um, there could be some compare and contrast. There could be some um, what do you think, um, what might it mean, those kinds of things. And in this section, you are invited 
to make some, um, draw some initial conclusions. Don't be concerned that um, what you think might it might be saying, you're not writing it in stone, you haven't written it in blood. This it, We are a safe place and your small group is a safe place to actually um, work through the word of God together because it's actually the Holy Spirit in all of us who provides the collective wisdom so that we can wrestle with what the word of God is saying and, and come to a right understanding of what the word of God is meaning. Um, so you really will be invited to tell us what do you think could be the meaning of blah, blah, blah. And, and really write down what you think because when you share what you think about a particular passage after having done the observation, um, when you write down some possibilities, that gives, um, that provides for great discussion and allows for back and forth and allows for iron sharpening iron. Um, and then the final section is the what does it mean to me section. And after we've done those two previous sections and done the work of really um, looking at the text and then listening to Holy Spirit, um, then we're invited to um, apply it to our own lives and look at what might be um, a way that the Holy Spirit would guide you to live out what you just, um, what you are just studying. So um, I commend to you one other thing, and that would be um, as after you read the text the first time, before you even do any of the questions, write down some questions of yourself, um, of your own. So if something comes to mind or you're intrigued by a phrase or you're kind of like, whoa, that's a weird thing to say, write that down because in your small group, um, you can bring those together, you can share, and then you're not um, just sitting back and being an observer. You are participating and you are bringing um, fresh new understanding to your group and it will be of benefit to you, but it will also be of benefit to those around you. If this is your first time ever being in Bible study, please speak up in your group because your understanding of scripture, your um, first take on scripture, your fresh eyes will be such a gift to the women who are maybe more seasoned in their experiences in Bible study. So we all, whether you're brand new to Bible study or you've been studying scripture for years and years and years, we all have something to share in the group because as Christ followers, we, can, we are guaranteed that the Holy Spirit is moving in us and will guide us into all truth. So engage with your groups. It's in your groups that you're really going to um, be challenged and changed um, as you work through the scripture together. So I just want to take a couple more minutes and, um, and look at the major themes uh, that we find in First and Second Peter. Um, the first one that I, and I've already kind of mentioned this, but the first one is that Jesus is our model. Um, 1 Peter 2.21 points out that if Christ experienced suffering, we, sh we too should expect to experience that as his followers. He is our example. That's what 1 Peter 2.21 says. He is our example. And so knowing that Christ is our model, that he is our example, 
um, that because he died, was resurrected, and was exalted, um, and sits at the right hand of the Father, we too know absolutely that even as we suffer, we have a sure expectation that we will be in the presence of the one true God um, at the end of our days. And so that leads to um, our hope, even in the struggle, even in the hardship, we have hope because Christ is our model. Jesus suffered, then was exalted. So too we can expect that same experience. And having hope in our struggles, having hope in our hardships, having hope in those difficult experiences um, and uh, allows us to um, be compelled to persevere, right? The hope is what allows us to persevere even in the midst of the really yucky situation. I'm sure all of us right this minute can think of at least one yucky situation that you personally are experiencing. And so our hope is that um, he's with us, he's experienced that, he has conquered death, and, and so that means he will empower me to persevere through this particularly yucky situation. So those are just some of the themes that one might find in Peter's letters. Um, along with these themes, we wanted to point out some unifying threads. And you're going to see this pretty much in every, every uh, lesson that we walk through this this fall, um, these unifying threads that stitch, stitch together these themes. Um, and you can think of these as melodies that are woven through each chapter. These are the structure and the foundation for the themes that Peter unpacks through both of his letters. We will see Peter circle back around to this pattern over and over again as he encourages his readers to stand firm in the truth they have been given in Jesus Christ. The first one is identity. The first thing every time in every situation is our identity. We must know that our identity is determined by our relationship with Jesus first and most importantly. If we don't get this settled in our hearts and minds, we are inevitably building on our lives on shifting sand. We must absolutely believe that it is because of who Jesus is and what he has done that I am who I am. Everything that I do has to come from my understanding that my identity is in the Lord Jesus Christ. And hope is birthed from that. This hope is propelled by our understanding of who we are because of Jesus. This abiding hope that Peter commends to us comes only as a result of knowing who we are in relationship to Jesus Christ. And out of that hope, having that hope, inevitably dictates how we live. There will be changes in how I interact with my husband, with my children, with my neighbors, with the people that maybe get under my skin. There will be changes in that interaction because of who I am in Christ and the hope that that is, birth, that birth is birthed in me because of that. And then how we live then um, allows us to have the influence that the Lord Jesus is calling us to. 
when we live out of our identity in Christ as a Christ follower, we are filled with hope and in accordance with the example that Jesus gave us, we by default then have influence on the people around us. Several times, Peter will reference the fact that living as one who follows Jesus causes the people around us to notice that we are different. Living quietly obedient lives to the Lord Jesus winsomely attracts others to the one true God. So Peter wrote to the followers in the first century, and 2,000 years later, his words ring true in 21st century America. As Jesus followers, we are not the majority. We are often mocked, we are often dismissed, or even ridiculed, and it is clear that this place is not our home. In the midst of of Peter's voice, he continues to speak loudly and remind us to persevere, even in struggle and hardship, serving the Lord Jesus Christ, the one true God, knowing that because of this, we can abide in hope. Let me pray for us before we're dismissed. Lord Jesus, we are so grateful to be in this room together, to sit around these tables, to see old friends and new friends, um, to anticipate what you, Holy Spirit, will be doing in our lives as we set our hearts and minds and study to show ourselves approved, um, that we might truly reflect who you are. Would you do that good work of transformation in our hearts and minds as we open your word and know that you um, are, are display, displaying your steadfast love and faithfulness to us, even as we read Peter's letters. Set in us a deep hunger. Cause us to be ravenous for your word. Let us not be able to get away from a desire to be with you. Thank you for running hard after us, for pursuing us when we feel dry, for pursuing us when we feel um, beat down, for pursuing us even in joy. Holy Spirit, would you allow us, would you empower us and equip us to truly abide in hope? In Jesus' name, amen.